It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, you can always reach out to us if you missed anything on the show or if you'd like to find out more about the show. You can reach out to us on social media, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like, follow, and share there. Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Spring allergies can make life miserable for many. Ear, nose, and throat specialist Dr. Ahmad Setagat, associate professor in the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and UC Health physician, joins us this morning to offer a few tips on keeping allergies in check. It's our pleasure to welcome Dr. Setagat to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Good, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Glad to have you with us. So we have allergies. We have cold season. Now we have this thing called COVID, and the symptoms are so similar. What are you telling patients here? You know, allergies uh, versus colds versus COVID, as you said, a lot of overlapping symptoms, but there are some symptoms as well as history that helps you differentiate one from the other. So first of all, you know, if you think about history, a lot of folks know that they have, for example, allergies this time of year. And so when, when symptoms spring up, that kind of gives you a hint that that's a possibility versus just a random cold or COVID. Um, if you know that you were exposed to something and then your symptoms flared up, I was working in my yard, I was up in a dusty attic, you know, that's, that kind of gives you a hint of p- potentially what it may be versus <clears throat> I was exposed to someone who was sick or I have you know, little kids who are bringing home colds, or, you know, I had a coworker who just came down with COVID. So history is, is one element of it. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things that we pay attention to when we talk to our own patients and we ask them about. Symptom-wise, um, you know, COVID is really interesting in, in that its symptoms have evolved in the last three years. You know, you probably initially heard a lot about the, the smell loss, um, a lot of the lower respiratory tract uh, uh, symptoms. But it seems like with every passing strain, you get a new set of symptoms. And some of the more recent strains that have come out <clears throat> uh, seem to have more upper respiratory tract symptoms, although without the smell loss. So a lot of uh, it seems like sinus infections, a lot of nasal congestion, but not, we're not seeing nearly as much um, long-term smell loss as, as we were seeing. So COVID is actually getting a little bit difficult to discern. Uh, from just a, uh, just a typical cold. A lot, of, a lot of those symptoms seem, seem to be very similar. Although the COVID seems to ha- still have a bit higher incidence of, of really severe smell loss compared to the typical upper respiratory tract infection. So if patients are getting just really profound smell loss, we are advising still COVID testing for those individuals. Okay. Allergies, on the other hand, tend to have a lot of very classic symptom of allergy that that I think really sets it apart seems to be the sneezing. Sneezing seems to be a symptom that's very much driven by uh, an inflammatory uh, chemical that we call histamine. And and we've heard of histamine because there's a lot of allergy medications out there that are in this family called antihistamines that block the histamine reaction. So sneezing tends to be a very common uh, symptom of of allergy. And so that's one, one good way of differentiating. Now, doctor, how many people suffer with pollen allergies? Do we know the numbers there? Prevalence of pollen allergies can be as high as 25, 30%, depending on the, the study that you look at. And in this area, especially in the Ohio River Valley, I, I think we're looking at least 
at those kinds of numbers. Just given the, the environment that we live in, the high levels of pollen that are in this area all the time. So we're talking not an insignificant number of individuals. Now, doctor, I hear this a lot. People that may have relocated here to Cincinnati, to the Cincinnati area, they say that their allergies are worse here in Cincinnati. What is it about this area that seems to make allergies worse for most people? Sure. So, you know, at the end of the day, let's think back about what what allergy is. Allergy is really our immune systems reacting to something that we're breathing in in the air. So the more of that substance, and and in the case of allergy, those substances are allergens, for example, pollens. And the more allergens that are in the air, the more allergens that we're inhaling, the more likely we are to get those reactions and the more severe that those those reactions are going to be. So why, why, and Cincinnati is worse for allergies compared to a lot of other places. And, And why is that? Well, it's because we have a lot of allergens in the air. Our environment is such that it, it is conducive to having high levels of allergens in the air. And, and why is that the case? We have a very temperate climate. We don't get a lot of really cold weather. We get these warm weather swings, even in the, even in the wintertime. Actually, these days I'm getting patients who are getting pollen allergies in the middle of the winter because we're getting 70-degree days, you know? Mm-hmm. And you get these bursts of pollen that get released into the air. So we have a temperate climate where... The, the, the local flora um, are, are constantly producing pollen to a greater degree and for a longer period of time compared to other places. And then the, just the general Ohio River Valley, the geography being sort of the valley that we live in, you know, we get this, this uh, the stasis of air that just kind of like sits there. And, and so these pollens are just sitting there without a lot of circulation to get them out of our area. So between all of that, that's what that's what makes this area so conducive to having allergens in the air, which then drives more individuals to have allergies and to have them more severely than, than what we'd expected in other places. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to Dr. Ahmad Sedagat, Associate Professor in the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and a UC Health physician. He's here this morning to talk about seasonal allergies. Now, we touched on this, but let's talk more about some of the more common symptoms of pollen allergies. Sure. So, so usually some of the first set of symptoms that patients will experience will be the classic sneezing, the itching. Those are those very um, common histamine-driven uh, symptoms. Watery eyes, runny nose, those tend to be some of the more immediate symptoms of allergies. Nasal congestion, stuffiness, blockage, that's also a symptom. And, and that's one of those longer-lasting symptoms that can be sort of annoying and drag out when we're constantly uh, exposed to, to allergies. So that's sort of the four symptoms that we talk about with patients about allergies, the sneezing, itching, runny nose, uh, nasal blockage. And then some individuals, like I said, they'll also get the watery eyes uh, as well. So, Doctor, break it down for us this morning. Earlier, we talked about why this area, this region is worse for those suffering with allergies. But let's talk about why springtime in particular is so miserable for those suffering with allergies as well. Well, every season can potentially be miserable for those with allergies. The spring tends to be the peak season for tree pollen release. So those individuals with tree allergies, tree pollen allergies, this is the time of year when those trees start to bloom and start to release their pollen. The spring tends to be um, the worst season for that. Now, I'm not sure. I know you work with the adult population, but what about those who um, have children? And children, when do you normally start noticing allergy symptoms in children? 
allergies are interesting in children because the, the development of allergy depends really on exposure. So with really young kids, I mean, if you think about it, they're not really going out as much. So when we do testing on younger kids, the more common allergies that we find in really young kids tend to be the kinds of things that we find at home, with dust mice, for example, being the most common uh, allergy that we find in, in the little ones. As they get older and they start going out more, playing in the yard, playing sports, et cetera, we start to, start, we start to see some of these pollen allergies develop. Again, it could be tree, tree pollen, grass pollen, ragweed, things that come uh, that are that are around all throughout the warm weather months. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show can be found on social media. Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like, follow, and share there. Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Hit your favorite podcast app. Anywhere you get your podcast and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. On the phone with me now is Dr. Ahmad Sagat. He is associate professor in the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and a UC health physician. Now, doctor, let me ask you this. My youngest son, he has seasonal allergies that can trigger his asthma. How common is that? And what advice can you offer to our listeners in terms of asthma and allergies? So um, we know that there is a fraction of individuals with asthma uh, where their asthma is driven by allergy. We don't know what causes every individual's asthma, but in some individuals it is, it is allergic in nature. So for those where we know that allergy tends to be a major driver, it's really important to, one, uh, take a few steps in terms of preventing exposure. So if you know that there are particular allergens that are driving your asthma or even your nasal symptoms, you know, whether we're talking about stuffy nose, you know, runny nose or lower airway symptoms in terms of the asthma, first and foremost, what you want to do is really just avoid the thing that you're allergic to. Now, we can't live in a bubble, but there are things that we can do to be to be extra careful. You know, if you're at home, try not to open up the windows again if, during spring tree pollen season, you know. Um, if you're going outside, take your clothes off as soon as you get in, throw them into the laundry so you're not dragging that pollen all throughout the house and spreading it everywhere. You can use air cleaners in the home to kind of help filter that pollen out as well. And then another important point we make to our patients is if you know that this is going to happen, if we know and we can anticipate that you're going to get a reaction, again, be it nasal symptoms, um, you know, the, the nasal allergies or allergic asthma, we try uh, prophylactically treating our patients ahead of time because a lot of these allergy medications that we have, they're actually reasonably and, and quite effective, but you have to kind of get a head start on the allergies. It's a lot easier to treat them before the symptoms get uh, too severe or too out of control. So starting treatment ahead of time. For spring allergies, we typically suggest starting uh, treatment somewhere in the mid-February to mid-March range. Um, so around this time of the year, we're, we're telling patients, get on your antihistamines, start using them more frequently, more, you know, more consistently on a daily basis. We'll use intranasal steroid sprays to kind of blunt that allergic uh, reaction in the nose where a lot of those pollens deposit and first interact with the body and cause that allergic inflammation. And it's often suggested that people use pollen trackers. Is that right? Sure. So that, that, those are great tools. Um, a lot of them are available free online. And that kind of gives you a, a, a sense of days that may be better than others in terms of going out, um, you know, going out into the yard, going outside, and, and, and sort of also helping you to anticipate 
when your symptoms may be worse and, and also encourage you and motivate you to use your medications more consistently around that time. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Dr. Ahmad Scott with University of Cincinnati. Now, let's talk about immunotherapy. What can you tell us here? How effective is it? And what would you tell our listeners here? So immunotherapy um, and, and mo- the most common form of it and, and what a lot of us have heard of are allergy shots. But immunotherapy is a means through which we can change the immune system so that it stops reacting to those allergens that we're inhaling. So this is actually the only real way that even modern medicine has for changing the immune system uh, so that we stop an inflammatory condition, in this case, allergies. And the way that it works is over time, we provide the patient with a consistent exposure to the allergen. And that's, for example, what's in those shots when people get allergy shots. There are sublingual forms of, of immunotherapy as well. But it's the, the concept is exposing the patient on a regular, consistent basis to the allergen and essentially inducing tolerance of the immune system to that allergen so the immune system does not want to react uh, to that allergen anymore. I would tell you the vast majority of patients who undergo immunotherapy have really significant dramatic responses where, you know, in many, many cases, they don't even need allergy medications anymore after going through the treatment. And even in the worst case, the vast majority of patients, at the very least, will be able to use far fewer medications uh, than before the allergy shots. Okay. So it is very effective. Okay, and what about there even surgical options? Is that right? Yeah, so if medical treatments don't work, there are some of the, some of the symptoms of allergies can be surgically addressed as well. So for patients who have nasal blockage, um, we can identify the areas where there is nasal blockage in the nose, and we can we can relieve that blockage. So to a lot of the allergy medications that we use, you know, the goal is to reduce that allergic inflammation, and the hope is that that inflammation reduces enough so that the swelling in the nose subsides enough that an individual can breathe comfortably through their nose so it doesn't affect their quality of life, it doesn't affect their sleep. In some cases, that swelling gets so bad that no matter how much medication we throw at it, that swelling just does not reverse. Uh, And in those cases, we can reduce that swelling. A lot of people also have what's called a deviated septum that aggravates things. That's where the, the wall that separates the left side from the right side of the nose is crooked. And that can aggravate that that obstruction that occurs or exacerbate that obstruction that occurs from the swelling that can arise due to allergy. Patients who have really prominent symptoms of runny nose, uh, you know, that watery runny nose that's associated with allergies, um, we can can actually help reduce that as well. Um, Sometimes with the allergic response, those inflammatory mediators, those inflammatory cells that are sort of out of control, they trigger these little nerves in the nose to overproduce mucus production. And in patients where, where, uh, where they have that copious mucus production, we can snip some of those tiny little microscopic nerves that go to the nose and stimulate mucus production to really just cut down on how much uh, that patient is experiencing that runny nose. Wow, fascinating, fascinating. I know you're out of time this morning. Finally, what in closing, what do you want people to know about spring allergy season what's your final message as a physician you know my final message would be look it's common a lot of individuals have it it affects a lot of individuals Um, and it affects your quality of life it can affect your sleep Um, you know you don't have to you don't have to suffer with those symptoms Uh, there are a lot of medications treatments that are available that can help with spring allergies 
And just because we live in an environment where these allergies are so common, you know, it doesn't have to be a part of our way of life, you know, and, and th there's lots of us who are out there who are happy to help just with even some really basic medications and treatments to improve, you know, these allergy sufferers' quality of life. Okay, any resources you can give our listeners if they would like to find out more, they would like to get in contact with you guys, what are resources are available? Well, the UC Health uh, webpage has a lot of great uh, resources for how to get in touch, not only with us, but also um, just general resources for allergy sufferers. So I'd advise patients to check it out. All right. Thank you so much, doctor. I really appreciate you taking your time. Thanks, Rodney.